shakes up everything. It's been a down and then up week for the St. Louis Blues with a three-game losing streak followed by two big wins. We'll discuss it all today. Then we'll look at the Predators' decision to fire Peter Laviolette and touch on the Blues' breakout prospects at the World Junior Championship. It's a lot to cover, and we've got a hard stop! So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. It is Saturday, January 11th, and we remembered to plug our mics in this time. Mm-hmm. So we're getting better. We are getting we're better. We're finally doing it. Uh, we are coming to you from our uh, confusing studios in Baltimore, Maryland, where I'm pretty certain parts of the Sack Launch Bunch John Mulaney special was filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. Go watch it. Strong recommend. Also, very though, good. very weird. So maybe no recommendation at all. Uh, yeah, just saw... like how I felt about Oh Hello. Either you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. Yeah, I saw people online that said they were big John Mulaney stand-up fans that they didn't hate it, but they didn't get it. That's fine. And I'm I, down with yeah, that. Yeah, I can I can understand. Yeah, that. you got to be a little weird. Uh, Ian, how are you doing today? It's Saturday, and this is an abnormal mm-hmm. time for us to record. But it's cold outside. It's also cold, the yep. sun is up, so that's different. That's uh, right. But you can barely see it because it's cloudy, and I'm no weatherman. I'm no Steve Templeton, but I believe it's supposed to snow. Oh no! I woke up at uh, seven this morning. I didn't stay up because it's a Saturday, but I woke up Very at good. seven, um, and uh, it was so like I know I know how mornings work. I know that it gets brighter over time, but it was still so cloudy, and I'm like, the sun is fully up by this point. But it was this weird kind of gray that I like almost never experienced, where it was like basically dark, and I couldn't see my way around the house. It was a it's interesting. Weather's been weird lately. Stephen, have you never experienced the dark before? <laughs> <laughs> Stephen goes to bed when the sun is up and he wakes up when it's up again. Um, so, yeah, exactly. That's what I do. Uh, so, yeah, um, we're here. We are ready to get after it. We've got five games to cover. Uh, let's just dive in, I guess. Some of these were from so oh, yeah, long ago. Just, mm, it's hard because we got to like set up the contrast of the week, but... I don't remember this Coyotes game at all. Jake Allen started, and Connor Garland scored. He's got 14 goals. I don't know who he is. He scored a goal against us in our last loss. And And he scored in the And I think I remember thinking, he's got nine goals. I don't know who he is. Yeah, exactly. I've seen his name multiple times, and I still don't know who Connor Garland is. Alex Goligoski has 20 assists, which I thought he was a very stay-at-home defenseman. Uh, but he, uh, Garland is a 2015 fifth round pick who played with Barbashev on the Moncton Wildcats and had 257 points and 40 postseason points in two seasons. That's the kind of research you can only get here at the Two Guys One Cup podcast Mm -hmm. or EliteProspects.com. Don't go there. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, of course, 257 in two seasons would seem impressive, but it is the QMJHL, so that's Mm -hmm. basically nothing. My cat Uh, can score at least... 150 points yeah. a season. Oh, yeah. And Justin's cat, Justin Horniker's cat, mm-hmm. probably 300 
350. I mean, that cat's I mean, got the, a hockey name. Yeah, the cat's named Demetra, so not going to happen. I mean, I mean, Connor Garland is never going to keep up with him, and it's on the Moncton Wildcats. So oh, my God. It's just time. Made for cats. <laughs> Uh, but this was a good play for Chitron to get it deep and back out high to Garland and Goligoski, and Garland slapper beats Alan Queen, though he was probs screen. Tyler Bozak, who we'll be talking about a lot this week, scored his eighth to answer that and give the Blues a tie game going into the second period. Barbashev uh, got called for a very weak... <laughs> I forgot about this. It's so long ago. <laughs> he got called for a very weak holding penalty on a scoring chance. Skates toward the ref yelling, are you fucking kidding me? And earned another two-minute penalty, which just... I think the time i was so i was like you gotta be smarter than that but mm. also how can swearing at a referee be a penalty it's 2020 don't they do that all the time yeah but I it's never so quite stupid sure. all the time i too. feel like if it's like really directed like you got toward, yeah. you're near the ref and you made eye contact yeah, I mean, and you're like you are a piece of shit instead sw- of just saying it <laughs> out into the ether like most of these hockey players do where they just go bah! Uh, if you're if you uh if you can be penalized for swearing at the ref Barbashev definitely should have <laughs> but he get went from should have had should have been no penalty to a double minor uh very quickly but the blues killed it uh in the second period they earned a minute 43 i think of five on three and as always just bungled the hell out of it they maintained control but had no serious scoring chances which no, which means you know how the rest of the game <laughs> plays out the coyotes got a goal at 720 in the third period with phil kessel's ninth of the season not great phil need more goals than that <laughs> uh but he uh gets it in front of the net because the Blues can't escape the zone, and he puts it in, and it was easy. And then Nick Schmaltz buried the empty netter. Good to know that even though he's not on the Blackhawks anymore, he can still screw us over. Uh, and the Blues lose 3-2-1. Ian, how did you feel watching this game? I wrote, bow, wow, wow, yippee-yo, yippee And that's how I felt. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was, was this was the start of our three-game losing streak. Yes. I felt a little perturbed that our our winning streak ended against the Coyotes, and the Coyotes are a good team this year. They're I was about to say very good. They're good. They're very good in the Pacific, but an so overall good, decent, yeah, yeah decent. <laughs> uh, not not a, a team that's going to roll over. But uh, I still thought, given how confident the Blues have played in previous games, that they just it wasn't there for them yeah. this game. This is the first game. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, this is the first game where they looked particularly lazy. Yeah, and that's just... I was thinking re-watching these clips um, that uh, it's just... It's frustrating to me how bad this team can be mm-hmm. uh, because um, they're, like, good <laughs> on paper, <laughs> but they're ability to just just suck i mean just really suck and it's it's truer in these next two games but Mm -hmm. like uh because they you know they have 55 percent of the coursey here and uh you know the expected goals were four five one for the blues so obviously uh whichever of ronta or um kemper started this game i can't remember 
I think Kemper maybe hurt, so it must I have been I think it was Ronta. Uh, but whichever of them started, um, obviously did a lot of work himself. But it's just like, man, their ability sometimes, that five-on-three thing, mystifying. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know why, you know, if, if when the Red Wings suck, they just suck. That's mm-hmm. fine. What are you going to do? But when um, when the Blues suck because they just either aren't doing what they're capable of doing or more often, it seems, just don't care to do what they're mm-hmm. capable of doing. It really can be frustrating. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's especially with the five on three. Don't we just run out like Perron, who granted very good vote? <laughs> vote, but also you can't vote anymore. So, but thank you for voting. Uh, David Perron, Braden Shen, Jane Schwartz, all very good players, but it doesn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. So, wouldn't it be nice if we ran out like Kairu, Thomas, Dunn, you know, some of the young kids? Because especially five on three, this is the one time you don't really need to be defensively responsible. So, might as well get like your young guns out there and see what they got. It's not the other unit isn't working. So, might as well mm-hmm. try that out. It's, they just seem so tentative, so tentative on a five on three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't get that. They're making, they're making me overthink it. I'm like trying to do (laughs) mental cartwheels on why they're so bad. I'm like, well, of course that makes sense. There's just so much room. I mean, when you got so much room, what are you supposed to do? I'm Uh like that. Right. 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 right? And then I'm like, I feel like I'm going crazy. And that's frustrating too when they're so lethal sometimes at five on four. I mean, they had the same problem five on four mm-hmm. where it's sometimes they're amazing and sometimes they can't even get into the zone. And it's just like, okay, well, cool. Um, the Blues did get 39 of the, I don't know, four, 65 shots in this game. Nah. Um, but uh, ultimately came up short. And I just, I don't know. You have an eight-game winning streak, right? You mm-hmm. lose the first one. I didn't feel good coming into this Colorado game. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't feel good. Yeah. Uh, and this was Thursday on the second of the year. And uh, Bennington started and got shelled. And once again, fine first period until on the final 20 seconds, you let Nathan McKinnon get away on a break, which was not a great look for Justin Falk, but mostly Nathan McKinnon's, you know, to me, the second best player in the mm-hmm. world right now. And he does Nathan McKinnon things. And now it's one nothing going into intermission instead of nothing, nothing. And it's a whole different story that you have to tell yourselves. Uh, and they come oh. out and immediately concede two goals in the first 10 minutes. And Nazem Kadri scores on an even worse look for Justin Falk, who got pinned in behind and fell over and <laughs> surrendered the puck on uh, to the Avalanche, and Gerard took a shot, and Kadri got the rebound. And then Rantanen scored a power play goal, which was just sick passing from Rantanen to McCarr. Their power play dominated in this game, and we'll talk about what that might mean in a little bit. But yeah, you're down 3 nothing suddenly in the t- case of in the course of about eight minutes in-game. Mm-hmm. And I think none of those goals get scored if you don't surrender that first one with 20 seconds left with 11 seconds left in the first mm-hmm. period we talked about that last week too where it's just you go in you think you know it's tied going into the end of the first period there you know what you gotta do in the second period and boom they score one and it just complete mental shock even yeah. though i know they've faced this before every team has but it's just like all of a sudden uh you're gripping your stick a little more you don't really know 
what the game plan needs to be now and you're just kind of back on your heels going into the locker room where you're supposed to have a mental reset Mm -hmm. it really sucks and we're gonna get right back Mm -hmm. to that because the blues actually bounce back in the second period and robert thomas scores a really nice uh goal from a wraparound after petrangelo fired it back in thomas somehow got hold of it and tucked it in we'll talk about how good he's been and then petrangelo gets the really nice slap shot off the face off on the power play uh, for the second goal, and now it's 3-2, to two, and we are getting close, very, very close to the second intermission, and you have a 3-2 game, and you get to go into the locker room happy and just talk about how you need that one more goal until uh, the Avalanche get a power play goal by Kale McCarr. Uh, the As power play is still really good, Kale McCarr is still also really good, and he snipes it from the point. Uh, and God, this kid is good, I added, because he really is Kale McCarr. <laughs> if people aren't paying attention just a nightmare that that guy's in our division an Mm -hmm. actual nightmare uh but yeah now you know that's a goal with 16 seconds left so you're improving that's Mm. better than 11 seconds they're getting better um they gave themselves who are we to criticize someone for trying to improve god knows but they gave themselves room to score another goal in those last uh 16 seconds there yeah yeah, and it's just, it's, I don't know, why why are they doing that? Even when they were winning a lot, they were doing that. Mm-hmm. And you can't, now it's caught up to them in this game. The Avalanche uh, put on the hurt in the third period, Kadri scores seven minutes in, he got a break, uh, break out and uh, Sanford completely ignores Kadri, so Girard, who has the puck, fakes the shot until Petrangelo goes down to a knee, then slides it over for the one-timer. Jomper Tomper Comper scored with 12 minutes, eight minutes left. Uh, His fifth goal of the season on the power play. Their power play is still really good. Landeskog got it on net, and Comper gets the tap in. Eunice Donskoy scores the seventh goal. Girard's, I think, fifth point in this game. Yeah, I at least to count. fourth. I think um, it might be his fourth. His four. Okay, that makes sense. Only um, four. Yeah, what a loser. Um, but uh, yeah, fourth assist, and uh, McKinnon is a god and skates through everybody and backhand it, backhands it to Don Scoy for the point or for the snipe, and then Robert Thomas, credit to him, gets a. Uh, goal off a hard four check with four minutes left when the game is entirely decided so good for him to do the hard work but the game's over and the blues lose seven to three to the rival division rival avalanche the expected goals in this game were uh 391 for the avalanche to 173 for us and they had 13 high danger chances to our 10 so it's not a surprise they also outshot us almost not almost two to one but 42 to 27 Mm. uh so you know not a surprise that the avalanche can produce a lot of offense Mm. uh what do you think this means for the rivalry between these two teams who really appear to be a step above anyone else in the Western Conference right mm-hmm. now. Well, I would hope this would mean that we wouldn't face them until the second round <laughs> of the playoffs. Because if we finish one and two or, you know, we flip-flop either way. I would love to see a Avalanche Blues, you know, um, round or two. Round, just one round. They'd play one round in the playoffs. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'd am i be, I'd be frightened. I'd be scared. I... It would be different. I don't know how it would be, how it would go. Part of me thinks, oh, the Avalanche will just outskate the Blues, and that's that because mm-hmm. we're not fast enough to uh, keep up with them. And we saw the Avalanche just skate around uh, the Flames last year. 
who I think I'm not entirely sure, but are a faster team than us, and it just, you know, worked out for them. So I think we're slower. Couldn't, wouldn't be great. Or I could see us just being completely a shutdown team, it being a very, like, boring series scoring-wise because we just pretty much nip Nathan McKinnon in the bud and just, like, sit on a 2-0 lead, and that's it. As we did to every star player we played yeah, last year, Yeah, exactly. Much. Like, we've seen it happen, but... I think they're they're a frightening team for me. I think they pose more of a threat than the Jets did last year to the Blues, and even more, I'll say, than the Stars who took you know the Blues all the way to Game Seven double OT. I think the Avalanche have the guns to put us away. Yeah, in games. I really think um, that this series, if it happened in the playoffs, would end. In, like, four or five games if the Avalanche would win it, Mm -hmm. and then we'd take it if it went to six or seven. Mm -hmm. Like, that's overly simplistic, but I think it it plays out one of two ways. Either they just blitz us from the start, and we're down 3 nothing before Mm -hmm. we even know what's happening. 3 nothing in the series, I mean. Uh, as we were metaphorically down 3 nothing in this game. Uh, that was my intention, obviously. Uh, or, yeah, or we just grind them from the start and maybe they get a couple early wins, but by, you know, game three or four, they're nicked up and injured and we just take it away and, you know, it could be like the Sharks series or the uh, Winnipeg series last year where by the end of it we're just dominating them, mm. you know, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I I I don't want to play the Avs in the playoffs because they're the team I'm most scared of because they're the best team in the Western Conference right now. But uh, other than us, you know, one of the two of us is the best team in the Western Conference. But at the same time, I would like to play them just to see how that goes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a, a very interesting uh, potential matchup. The Blues and uh, Vegas Golden Knights, that's a matchup that I actually don't think the Blues would struggle with very much in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. in this game, they struggled plenty. <laughs> Jake Wallman made his NHL debut finally. Man. Two years later. What a, <laughs> what a road for that kid. I hope, you know, I don't think he's got a long-term future here, but I hope some organization invests in him and gives him a shot. Mm-hmm. If we ever, you know, trade him or DFA him or whatever they do. DFA is a baseball term. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do it's that. Like, what is that? Uh, designate for assignment mm. it's basically we can't technically send you back down to age to the triple a so we're just gonna let you go it's the it's waving you okay. know it's that similar uh, sort of thing except that the player can say uh, no thank you and i'm out <laughs> um, but yeah so wallman gets his debut here blues once again or not once again blues actually jump out to a very strong lead in the first period uh they have a goal from alex petrangelo on the power play seven minutes in uh, he streaks in for the snipe from a pass from Perron. Jaden Schwartz scores five minutes later. Uh, this was a nice, really nice play by Allen, who banked it off the glass at about the blue line and got the puck right to O'Reilly, whether intentionally or unintentionally. O'Reilly got to pull up and drop to Perron and uh, Schwartz, who were entering the zone, and Perron tapped it over to Schwartz, who took the heavy shot to beat Mark Andre Fleury. And watching that replay earlier today, it just reminded me how uh, that's just a shot that Jaden Schwartz would have somehow missed mm-hmm. last year, or like it would have rung off the post or something. Uh, it's so nice to have him back in uh, really, really top form because he is uh, at his best. He's a very, very good forward, <laughs> and you know. It, Two years ago, I think he won the, 
or was second in the uh, NHL player poll for most underrated player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a reason, you know, he does not get talked about like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, <laughs> like Timo Meyer last year or whoever, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to come up with examples off the spot, but uh, he's every bit as good as that level of like top six high scoring mm-hmm. winger. He does more defensively than a lot of those guys too. So Good for him. Sunquist gets the third goal a few minutes after that. Uh, Steen won an awesome dogfight behind the net and got it in front, and eventually Sunquist knocked it in. So we're three nothing going into the second period. Ian, how are you feeling about this game? I at that felt point? great. I was at the Science Center during this, and I looked at my phone and I said, "Up three zero. This is pretty good." And honest to God, sometimes I joke that there's like a little inkling in the back, like, "Oh, they could still screw it up," but really, that's that's just not true. But this time it was. I swear to you, I looked at it and I was like, 3-0, That's great." I guarantee you next time I look at this score, it'll be like four to three, like for the Blues still or something, but I'll be like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. That was pretty close. You weren't wrong. Uh, The Blues got a lot of chances early in the second and missed their opportunities to make this four to nothing, five to nothing. And after that, I was definitely like, oh, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ryan Reeves scored the first goal for the Knights at 13 minutes in. Not a great look for Jake uh, Allen here. Uh, I don't know if Jake Wallman was on the ice, so I should have been more <laughs> you gotta, you gotta careful. Tell, but, yeah. You gotta um, tell which one's which. Uh, a shot got on the net, and the puck rebounded off Allen and sits in the crease for what seemed like an eternity, at least long enough for the Vegas broadcaster to say, Allen doesn't see the rebound, which isn't a good mm. sign. Reeves gets over there to knock it in. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm not, like, torching Jake Allen, but that's not great rebound control, and he'd probably tell you the same thing. Uh, Golden Knights get a second goal a few minutes later, also scored by a former Blue, (laughs) Paul Stasny, assisted by William Carrier, who is also technically a former Blue, and Nicholas Haig. I have a number of his rookie cards, so if he could succeed, that'd be great. Um, So many connections. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, uh, this wasn't a great look for the Blues' uh, talent development <laughs> or who they decide to let go of. But Carrier took the puck off the wall after Stastny stick lifts Sanford, who a lot of people uh, do not like mm, right now. I was going to say, yeah, he, he's been struggling. Yeah. He got a little better, but he's been struggling. Uh, Carrier carries the puck uh, to the middle deftly and backhands it over to Stastny for the goal. Why, Ian, tell me, because Bo Meester does this on this play, why does it seem like so many of our defensemen's number one move is to just go down to a knee? Oh, Even if they're yeah, not this. in really a natural shooting lane <laughs> or whatever, I just don't, I don't know. Like, Bo Meester's 11 feet long. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he stick a stick out or something? Yeah, and they're at a weird distance, too, where they're just a little too close. You know, like, I guess you're cutting off the angle more if you're close and you take a knee, but also the guy can literally just sidestep you, whereas if you take it further back, you're not cutting off that much of an angle, but he has to work more, he's got to get around you, you know, he's got to skate more to get an open lane. Uh But yeah, we always seem like we have a guy, like, right in the middle where it seems like the the least effective. yeah, or, or my other favorite, they go down to a knee and the person shoots the puck and it goes between their legs. Uh-huh. That's also a favorite of mine. Yep, not good. Uh, <laughs> and the Blues are down, and uh, they go into intermission, tied through, or not tied, but at 3-2 to two, uh, after surrendering two goals. Then Nicholas Waugh, which I finally confirmed is Waugh, okay. uh, scored his second of the year off another Nicholas Haig assist. 
which must not be the ninth then, I guess, because... I don't know. Anyway, I'm probably his tenth assist. And Thomas Nosek, I took an error in the in the notes. And Haig dangles, handles well, shoots it on. There's a scramble in front. Wah eventually knocks it in. And then finally, to cap it all off, Riley Smith was his sixteenth of the season. Dunn tried a side to side pass here to Bozak, who oh, yeah, doesn't great. see it or doesn't see Stevenson or something because he makes no attempt to cut off Stevenson, who just jumps in front of the pass, and I think it hits off his skate, but he goes into the zone. and A miscommunication. Uh, yeah, it was not great. Uh, Petrangelo also was incredibly lazy on defense here, which is the one part of his game that I still sometimes, maybe he's gassed, I don't know, but sometimes it just looks like, eh, you know, eh. There's a goalie back there. Maybe he'll do something because I'm certainly not. Don't you speak ill of Alex Petrangelo. I love Alex Petrangelo. We need to resign him. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, Smith got it and fired at home. And it was 4-3. to three, And I did not believe that the Blues would tie this thing. Uh, but they did. David Perron got his uh, 17th of the season there a few minutes later. Three minutes exactly. Uh, he got a power play with lots of space to glide in and fire the slap shot off the far post past his Frenchy friend. Because apparently that's all. Also a part of his game now is just mm-hmm. a huge ripper slap shots because he's going to do it again in this series. Uh, I think in these notes later on, and mm-hmm. I believe he did it recently in like overtime or something too. Uh, what a freak. He can do it all. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Ian, the Blues go to overtime. Do you think they're going to win in overtime? No. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, not, not, well, if David Perron, if it's, the puck gets a David Perron stick. At all. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, but uh, no, they uh, get three minutes into the overtime. The Blues are in a jumble in their own zone, and eventually Stevenson dispossesses, which is a word with a lot of S's. <laughs> uh, Thomas and streaks away with no one to beat but Allen. And Ian, and this is no shot on Jake Allen specifically, but it took about six seconds for Chandler Stevenson to make it down the ice and beat Allen. For how many of those six seconds were you certain this game was over? Seven of them. <laughs> That's for exactly seven what seconds. Oh, man. I would listen to <laughs> part on the radio and right when Kerber was like oh Stevenson on a breakaway I just turned the radio <laughs> off I honest to god just turned it off because I was like either I'll be surprised later uh-huh. or I or 99% sure I know it when it yeah. goes in so. Jake whatever his strengths and they've been many this season still seems to not be the guy you want to net on a breakaway like yeah. that uh, pretty okay in the sh- in the shootout, I think, but not in a live in-game breakaway. I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe he just gets in his own head too much. But uh, this was rough. This was a really rough one, maybe a bit of a wake-up call for the team. Just a lot of that sloppy play that you, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, and, and it's just so hard to explain why this team does that sometimes. They're so good. The talent's there, obviously. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions, which I think is even sometimes still like a revelation to me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, this team I've, won the Cup. I have had this thought uh-huh. within this season where maybe it was just a night I got too little sleep or something, but I was like thinking to myself, like, I wonder when we play the team that won the Stanley Cup this year. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That was us. I'm like, when do we go in the Stanley Cup champions building and try and beat them? 
we do it every night. That's right. Uh, we do beat ourselves a lot, so that's mm-hmm. actually true. The Blues uh, got a little bit of the edge in the expected goal category here with 2.54 to their 2.24. They did uh, not control the Corsi 4 percentage or the uh, high danger chance percentage. No, excuse me, they did control the high danger chance percentage. So, I mean, it's a more even game than it looks like on paper. It's mm-hmm. just how the uh, how the whole thing plays out uh, over the course of um, the game and uh, how you lose it, and mm-hmm. it just sucks. But, hey, you know, you've surrendered the lead and you got a point, so not the end of the world, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had, I'll admit, I'll cop to it at the time hated that line i hated it because i think baruby even said it. he's like hey you know we're trying to stick to the top of the division here we're trying to stick to the top of the conference uh you know points a point and stuff and i was like man you can't say that oh, yeah that's what we can oh, say yeah. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, can't yeah, sit yeah. there and be like oh and i'm like because i was so pissed i was like seeing people go as they always do no offense uh blues fans but <laughs> it's just like i see lots of people be like well at least they've got a point i'm like no 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 we lost a point. <laughs> yeah. Don't you see? We were up 3 No, that, that's definitely true. And when we were scuffling a little with early in the year and people mm-hmm. did that repeatedly because we lost all those games in overtime, mm-hmm. I was pissed at mm-hmm. the time. This one, you know, I don't, that's not an excuse, mm-hmm. but no, at least it happened yeah. now that we've got some time removed from it. Oh, yeah. At in the hindsight, time, I'm better. Be yeah, I feel better about it. But at the end of that, because they're like, well, really, you know, it's not, we've only lost. I saw them be like, well, we've only really had a two game losing streak. Because we this one we got a point in, and I was like, I hate that, I hate that so much. I'm like, <laughs> that, it's an OT oh, loss. Yeah, that's a loss. That's a loss. Oh my god, that that's that infuriates me. Uh, <laughs> that <sighs> okay? All right, Why? get that out of me. It's just a loss. Uh, you know what? It's Gary Bettman's fault. Ian, the good news is the St. Louis Blues are undefeated with Nico Mikola in the lineup, mm, and I think they true. will remain undefeated forever. Uh, the most likely the f- sweet. Finn, Finn, Finn. With a name the like Nico Mikola, he's got to be finished. The Finn made his NHL debut in the game against the San Jose I would Sharks love if he was Tuesday. Latvian. <laughs> but you know what? I got to give you credit because my dad asked me if he was Finnish, and I was like, dude, of course he is. And he's like, I don't know. He could be one of those guys that moved to Russia, and you know, where when uh-huh. his parents moved to Russia and he was born there. I was like, okay, that's fair. That's true. That's happened. What's What's his name? Down in Florida. Barkov. Barkov, yeah. yeah. He's Finnish, which is always like, no. Okay. <laughs> now, I do this all the time when I'm writing. I've gotten called on it a couple of times writing for the hockey writers where I'm like, Frederick Anderson, he's got to be Swedish. And it's like, uh, actually, he's uh, Dutch, I think, mm-hmm. or Austrian, one of the two. I think he's Dutch. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and uh, there's somebody else I did it with where I'm like, you know, he's got to be Russian. And it's like, well, technically he's Canadian. So I try to second guess myself now. But uh, Nico Mikola is, in fact, Finnish. And, thank you, Nico. Uh, <laughs> thank you for making Finland proud. Uh, Kairou uh, came back and from he missed the last two games before this, which obviously did the Blues a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shin and Schwartz, uh, he got paired back with them which is great uh and it's the it was the one year anniversary of jordan bennington's debut uh the first period was kind of nothing kairu got a nice chance i think this was uh this was arguably i think jordan kairu's best game of his mm. career uh, young a, NHL extremely career. noticeable in this game yeah i remember tweeting out that uh he looked amazing and also that blues please for love of god your last three losses have come to teams that maybe you should lose to maybe they're good teams yeah 
But you cannot lose to the San Jose no, Sharks. No. This would be unacceptable. The San Jose Sharks, who are in such desperate straits that they've turned to Aaron Dell as their <laughs> starter. Imagine if the fire you could light under your team's ass was, hey, Aaron Dell is now the starter. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, whatever. We but also, oh, going. shit. Uh, we'll talk about the star- Sharks' most embarrassing moment in a little bit. Uh, it's the afternoon when we're recording, so the cat is especially amped up. Uh, <laughs> the Blues open, not open, but get a early goal relatively in the second period, five and a half minutes in. Tyler Bozak gets his ninth of the season. Steen assisted. Steen's looked really good lately. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about him more next game. Braden Shin assisted. Braden Shin's looked kind of cold lately, <laughs> but you know, he's been okay. Uh, Shin knocks the puck off Kane's stick as he's shooting. Uh, Bozak skates away into the zone. Steen drops back, drops the puck back to Bozak, who scores, and uh, the back and forth entering the zone crossed up the Sharks. It was, as the kids say, pretty nifty. Uh, <laughs> the Blues got another goal shortly thereafter. Ivan Barbashev got a breakaway and missed wide, but nobody, including Mario Ferraro, Stefan Nuessen, watched him circle back to Dell's blind side, so Sunquist got the puck and somehow connect with Barbashev for the backdoor goal. Uh, fun fact for the listeners at home, Mario Ferraro of the San Jose Sharks has his own YouTube channel on which apparently he reviews technology products, really? but not like expensive or exciting ones like a twelve dollar flash drive it's not quite that bad you know but like Mm -hmm. that level of thing so you know check it out uh you can find the name on his wikipedia page that's how i found it so uh have fun is he any good uh he wasn't terrible from what i could tell he wasn't exciting this week i discovered that uh former mlb pitcher phil hughes Mm -hmm. uh breaks uh cards breaks baseball hockey and pokemon which are like the holy trinity for me wow Uh, and he's like first of all really knowledgeable about hockey for Mm -hmm. you know a professional mlb pitcher um knowledgeable about pokemon too so nerd yeah. uh, but also uh it's just a really good channel he edits well or whoever he pays to edit edits well and he breaks a lot of the more expensive stuff that other people you know maybe don't or can't afford to because he made 86 million dollars and most youtube card breakers have not so uh it's fun <laughs> surprise phil's pulls check it out on youtube i if, am if gonna trading cards out. are your sort of thing uh pulled a, a shiny lugia um one time that's what i was looking for sent it off to get it graded baby got a nine on it he was pissed uh uh, anyway where were we the blues had just scored their second goal uh there's a penalty the blues power play looked useless uh we're so good statistically we're so bad sometimes uh practically yeah by the eye test sometimes i can't believe we're top 10 in the league in power play i think still yeah yeah kairu got a gorgeous pass just inches behind falk that would have changed our our fortunes there but it was not to be uh the sharks made it interesting with a timo meyer goal two minutes into the second period a power play snipe from distance bennington was pretty screened uh but david perron with his 18th appeared or appeared, sorry, that was the next word, made it a little less interesting. Uh, Cairo appeared to extend the Blues lead, but his goal was challenged for offsides by Sharks. Oh, this was the one that was called back? That's my bad. That's my bad. No, 
I'm so confused, Ian. Was the Perron goal the one that was called back or not? No, the Kairu okay. goal okay. was called okay. back. Sorry, guys. My brain broke. I read the notes too fast, and my brain broke. We'll get better, I promise. <laughs> uh, David Perron did score his 18th. Shortly thereafter, Kairu got a goal called back uh, by... Um, offsides he was offsides by about a few inches which he would be again in the next game he's literally too fast for the mm-hmm. nhl and the sharks scored a shorthanded goal late but it was still a nice uh four to two victory. if you're too fast for the nhl how is he ever on sides in three the, to two in victory, the ahl uh that's a good question he apparently he says he never got a goal called back before offsides before this game. I guess you were because you were at the last game, right? Mm-hmm. So you didn't hear the broadcast. Tang said they talked, and Kairu said he's never gotten a goal called back ever, like at any level of mm-hmm. hockey. And my guess is the cameras are just better and there's replay. And so yeah. he's like, I don't think he's never been offsides on a goal before. I mean, he's probably anxious, you know, overexcited mm-hmm. too, but uh, the Blues win this one 3-2. to two. It was a nice start to the homestand with a win, killing the three-game losing skid. I'd like a more convincing win against the Sharks, but a regulation win's a regulation win. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a 4-2 win if you count the Kairou goal, which you can't because legally that's how rules work, but but, uh, you know, not not a bad performance here. Pretty even game. Blues come out ahead. You want to win the even ones as much as you'd like to win the lopsided ones. So, mm-hmm. still counts. At least we got two points. That's wow. 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 We really watered down this win. It's really, fine. They really wanted it. Uh, the Blues then went to play the Buffalo Sabres on Thursday. Uh, Ian, you were at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Was it turnt? I would, oh my, we're on the same wavelength. In my head, I was just about to go, Stephen, it was turned. <laughs> you know when the Buffalo Sabres are in town, people are ready to party. We are, we are both a hive mind and probably crushingly out of touch with the lingo of the day, but uh, we'll leave that in the rearview mirror for now. Robert Thomas has left any questions about his NHL supremacy in the rearview mirror. Uh, he scored his eighth goal at the start of this game, four minutes in. Uh, he got the puck from Bozak. Um, it went off the wall. It was a weird setup, but then he came in, somehow toe-dragged and sniped, and I just thought, screw you, he can do that too. Like, mm-hmm. the Robert Thomas is elite. EA Sports NHL is right. Uh, For those of you that don't know, EA Sports NHL account goes on the Blues Instagram account for every single post they make and simply types Robert Thomas is elite. So I don't don't know what's going on there, but it's the greatest meme uh, in my life. Uh, Robert Thomas, this goal was kind of shades of the Dallas double OT Mm -hmm. goal, the one that he didn't score but rang off the post. Looked a lot like that. Sort of takes off the boards, decides to go back around for it. I think a lot of guys think he's going to pass in that case, and he shoots it, and uh, that's... Kudos to him. Kudos to him for shooting it a little bit more. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, he gets a nice assist on the next goal, 13-29 in. Tyler Bozak's 10th of the season. Thomas got it behind Reverse's course while Bozak moved into the crease and buried. The easy one-timer, Steen, got bumped into Lena Solmark by... <sighs> Wait a minute. Curtis Lazar. And uh, it was, uh, I think they looked at it, but didn't actually call for the review for goaltender interference because it was pretty obvious that Lazar pushed him into him and it was two to nothing inter- exiting the first period. And how nice is it that the Blues didn't concede a goal in the final 30 seconds? <laughs> that felt great. 
Jack Eichel gets way too much time and space. Mm. Where have we seen this before? And... That whole crowd <laughs> had watched the previous Buffalo game uh-huh. because when he scored, I there was I feel like there was more uh, of just exhaustion from, <laughs> from the crowd than I've ever heard an acknowledgement that this happened fucking again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I tweeted out, I was like, the Jack Eichel is the Blues' favorite movie because they just love to watch him. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the dumbest. I, it's, I get it. I get it. It's the Patrick Kane stuff where it's like, why don't you just hit the guy? Uh-huh. And it's because he just has a step on you it's and you Jack miss. Eichel. He's very good. Yeah. yeah, you miss and all of a sudden it's five on four. He's got a you know a wide open lane to shoot. But at the same time, yeah, please do something. Yeah. Please do anything they, at all. They do nothing to oppose Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel. Uh, I think Samford was on the ice and got dumb traffic cone for this one. Uh, but the Blues seal this one away in short order. David Perron scores his 19th, uh, a low-speed cycle to Perron at the point who fires a slapper because, as we discussed, he can apparently do that too. Uh, Steen then scores two goals, his first two of the season in the I third period. I was unaware that that was his first that, goal. That, uh, yeah... He's got, a, you know, I think 11 points now, 10 or 11 or yeah. 12. But uh, first two goals, he was hurt for a long time, obviously, so that plays a role. But that first goal was as clusterfucky a goal mm. as I've ever seen in the NHL. And he eventually got the pass from Thomas from behind uh, that just was an, one netter, an empty netter at that point because mm. Olmark had, like, cartwheeled out of the goal on the first two saves. We must always acknowledge... Uh, when we score on a clusterfuck like uh-huh. that, on an on a empty net, a yawning net, where any team should score, and we do score, we should celebrate that, because for the longest time, the Blues could not score when the goalie was just down and out. Either they were on their back and had no stick and no glove or whatever, or they were way over in the corner and had taken a, you know, a tumble, somehow... A blues player would ring it off the post, or he'd shoot it wide, or he'd shoot it right into a defenseman's crest who was kneeling right in front of the net, or anything like that. And it was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I will always take a moment to appreciate <laughs> the fact that we can score on empty nets. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Never, no, never ignore a good deed mm-hmm. done well. Uh, and Steen scores again in the final five minutes. Uh, the Sabres decided to empty their net for some reason with five minutes left in a 4-1 to game, and uh, we took advantage. Steen and O'Reilly escape. Steen gets the goal. O'Reilly has 30-second assist. The Blues dominated a game for a nice uh, sorbet of sorts at the mm-hmm. end of a weird week uh, for our podcast, at least. And uh, they had 62% of the Sed- Sedgwick for? Is that what S <laughs> The Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> I no, think the shots, shots for. Yeah. I've Just done this before. We've d- I've yeah. done this before. I've yeah. Absolutely, we've done this on the podcast. Uh, Fenwick, <laughs> folks, I thought we were getting better. But... And Gorsi for 57%. They had 2.45 expected goals, obviously scored five real goals. So what is that statistic even now? And Robert <laughs> Thomas has been really good lately. Mm-hmm. He has eight points in his last seven games. He's now up to 24 on the year and I think is well on pace to break past what he did last year. Uh, thoughts? Any thoughts on Robert Thomas? He's good. He's elite. <laughs> um, I would love for him to get to 50 points this year. I don't know if he will necessarily. Maybe he slows down a little he bit, but 50 points yeah. would be fantastic for a, guy, a kid who's, what, 20? Has uh-huh. he been 21 yet? I don't think no, so. No, 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 no. Yeah, just 20 years old. I think his birthday's after, like right after the season. Yeah, his second full season in the league. He's already won a cup. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see him play so well his birthday is july 2nd oh wow 
So there you go. Almost almost an America's birthday. <laughs> almost a Canada Day birthday. Oh, yeah. Okay. I suppose that's more appropriate for him. <laughs> well, nah. Nah. Nothing about Canada Day is really appropriate. So, <laughs> so when, I was, when we were driving back from the game, they had uh, Alex Ferrario, who hosts like the post-game or hosts in-between-the-period stuff on uh, 101 ESPN for the Blues. He was talking about how he got a tweet or he saw a tweet, and this is from a couple of days prior to this game, about someone saying, oh, man, Alex Steen, piece of crap, not very good, overpaid. Not, you know, that's mm-hmm. true, but not any of the rest of it. And so he told this to Kerber, and Chris Kerber went on a long rant about how Alex Steen is like a consummate blue and all this other stuff. But I had to agree with uh, Chris because he talked a lot about, you know, Alex Steen has kind of gracefully settled into his role of just sort of being a third, fourth line, maybe not energy guy, but, you know, just, like, a character guy mm-hmm. who knows he's not going to get more than, like, 30 points a season when healthy, uh, who's been with the Blues since whatever, since 2008, mm-hmm. has been here this entire decade, is, I believe now they said, fourth in a assists for this franchise for forwards, I believe. They said with, like, whatever assist he had or whatever he had recently. So I was like, that's pretty nuts. But yeah, he is a consummate blue. He is helping Robert Thomas grow him and Bozak. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought it was a good, it was a good time to sort of appreciate what Alexander yeah. Steen is. I mean, the fact of the matter, sorry, I didn't mean to No, I was going to say, if, but... I was gonna say if only the only thing against him at all, and it's not even his fault, is yes. the fact that he's getting paid close to $6 million yeah, a year. Yeah, that's, that's literally the only reason anyone criticizes him. And the fact of the matter is... In the grand scheme of bad NHL contracts, mm-hmm. his is so fine. Because mm-hmm. there are people out there paying a lot more, or at least a little more, for mm-hmm. a lot longer to players who provide nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean nothing. Milan Lucic provides nothing mm-hmm. now. And the Oilers have, or the Flames now have to pay him for, I think it's five more years, four more years mm-hmm. at six million. Um yeah, I mean, for all the for all the um, fuss isn't the word I want. We but, made, we, but you will use it. But it's it. the one I have. <laughs> so, uh, for for all the fuss we made, and rightfully so, about how uh, how great a teammate Allen was during the playoff run, and just accepting the role of backup, you know, and watching Bennington and always cheering for him. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Steen deserves a lot of the same credit because this is a guy. This is a guy who's going to retire. Maybe first or second in all-time games played for this team. Mm-hmm. Going to be right up there in the points and assists discussion. Probably going to retire. Blue. Might be a conversation about retiring his number. And, you know, he just is fine. He's just happy, seems to be at least, mm-hmm. to step into that mentorship bottom six role take dramatically reduced ice time and minutes. And that was a big part of what I think Steen or uh, Barubi accomplished last year uh, when he took over for Yo is, is talking to guys like that and Bo Meester who are veterans and saying, this has to be your role now. Obviously for Bo Meester, his role is, you know, heightened arguably mm-hmm. but in the first little bit when he was hurt still, you know, it's just, this is what this team needs to be a unit and succeed. And I just, I think everybody uh, should, like you kind of said, just take a minute to appreciate Alex Steen and, you know, the 
with O'Reilly and Hull as the only, and maybe Pronger as the only other mm-hmm. arguable choices, the best trade in Blues history by a, a nose, by mm-hmm. a mile. I mean, because, yeah. because, I mean, you also get Carlo Cagliacovo, who is a very fine defenseman for this team for half mm-hmm. a decade. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, wow. Uh, yeah, you traded for a guy that's played, I think they said 700-something games here. He's at 991 in his career, so the next nine here you'll get to 1,000. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, yeah, love Alex Dean. Another guy that's been impressive so far is the aforementioned, very decidedly finished Nico <laughs> Mikola, who uh, was uh, in his second game here. Luke Korak tweeted, not only picked up his first NHL point assist on Bozak's goal, which I forgot to mention, uh, he played 15 minutes and 51 seconds, was a plus three with one hit and absorbed a hit on the goal. I don't know about you guys, but I really like this kid's game so far. He looks like a left-handed Colton Pareko. And I think, you know, I don't... Where was he on this... Uh, prospect pyramid he was a tier four which was appropriate i think Mm -hmm. that's right but he um he has i think all the tools to be a very fine to good very good nhl defenseman for a long time Mm -hmm. he doesn't he's not going to be colton pareko offensively colton pareko hasn't even been colton pareko (laughs) offensively at least you know to what he could be uh but um you know, he's he's rangy, he's tall, he's long, he's disciplined, he's fast, he's a really good skater. He's got a little bite to his game, um, I remember them saying, but we we haven't seen yeah, yet in two and, games. And but. I think he had, uh, he did have more offense in the world, or not world juniors, world championships this summer when Finland won gold than I think most expected, but... This is another guy that the Blues sniped in, I, I want to say, a later round of the draft. Mm. I'll look up when he was drafted. But what do you think about Nico Mikola so far? He's looked really good. I've noticed it's one of his favorite moves to get out of uh, dangerous to bounce the puck off the sideboards. And it seems to have worked for him every time I watched him play these last two games. He's very alert. He's a lot faster than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit a little bit thinner than I thought he'd be, too. Like He's a little more spindly than a Colton Pareko or a Joel Edmondson. Uh, even though, given that he's got about the same height, so I'm sure he could put a little more mass on. But he, uh, I was, I was surprised with how composed he was. It, he didn't seem like he was out of place at all. Never once did I look at him and think, "Oh yeah, this guy's got the jitters. This guy needs to be, you know, um, I don't know, needs to be sheltered way on the third pairing." I mean, he probably fits very well on the third pairing. But yeah, I never thought once that he looked out of place. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I looked up where Mikola is drafted, mm-hmm. uh, and this is just. This is fifth round is hilarious because he was drafted in the fifth round in 2015. Uh, but And I was going to say, you know, having a guy that even makes his NHL debut from the fifth round is pretty impressive. But listen to the names drafted right around him. He was at 127. 123 was Connor Garland, who we've already oh, talked uh, about today. No one knows about 124 is Ethan Bear, who's like the crown jewel of one of the crown jewels of the uh, Oilers Young Prospect Corps, the mm-hmm. defenseman. Uh, 125 was Dimitri. Mitro Temeshov, who is very very highly rated by some uh, Maple Leafs folks. Um, and then number 135 was Kirill Kaprizov, who's the Wilds' top prospect that they can't get over from Russia. Uh, number 137 is Dominic Simon, who's been a, a contributor for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, number 142 was Rudolf Balsers, who was part of the... Uh, um, 
the Eric Carlson trade and was pretty good. And uh, Troy Terry and Adam Gaudet were 148 and 149. So that's like, I don't know. That's a really productive (laughs) fifth round. Fifth round, that's pretty darn good. I don't know. Maybe this is one of those classic deep drafts you hear so much about. (laughs) I've never seen one myself. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was interesting. Uh, But yeah. Um, Yeah, he's got everything... Uh, that you could want, you know, in a Carl Gunnarsson type at the worst. And mm-hmm. Carl Gunnarsson's had a long NHL career. Nothing wrong with being Carl Gunnarsson. Mm-hmm. I don't think Carl Gunnarsson feels like he's missed out on anything mm-hmm. in his NHL tenure other was, than health. He was on bit. both of our teams of the decade, so. Yeah, yeah. Just, so, be, just be Carl Gunnarsson, Nico Mikola. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a lot of people calling him the left-handed Pareko. I think that may be a, a bit of a reach, but he's he's... Of that mold. Yeah, if you it know? makes it feel good, good, but don't hold him yeah. to that <laughs> expectation. Not, yeah, that, that's very fair, for sure. Uh, the Blues finished the week uh, two and three of the games we talked about, but, you know, the way it finished, um, obviously... We were 500. They're back on track. They could easily win... Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Batman 500. Batman 500, baby. Uh, that's all you need. <laughs> they're still up seven points in the Central Division, um, you know really kind of hard to see them not winning the central this year i just don't know which of the teams below them is going to be consistent enough and with the rangers anaheim philadelphia coming up they could easily be on another five game winning streak Mm -hmm. here coming again uh, to play colorado next saturday a week from today so you know not getting ahead of ourselves but uh certainly it seems like a setup where they're be capable of putting together another nice long winning streak Mm -hmm. and uh, that'd be their third, and that's how you win divisions and presidents' trophies and things. So, uh, speaking of our division, mm-hmm. should we talk about the other big news of the NHL week? No. Yeah, okay. let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> the Nashville Predators decided to fire their franchise's second ever coach, which is still baffling to me. <laughs> um, on uh, when did they do this? Thursday, probably. So. Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Wednesday. I want to say because they played on Thursday, and that's when they assigned the new guy, who will reveal later. Uh, <laughs> they uh, fired Peter Laviolette, who had a nineteen fifteen and seven record uh, this season with the team second to last in the Central. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Pekka Rene has an eight ninety six save percentage this season. UC Saros has an eight ninety two, and that's why I got fired. Uh, I yep. mean, kind of long and short of it, the, Jeff Merrick gave Elliot Friedman a stat for thirty one thoughts, uh, and this puts it into stark perspective. Only one team in the last two seasons, which would include the Blues, uh, and that team was Anaheim, who has Gibson, who I firmly believe is the best goaltender in the league right now. Uh, Only one team has fired their head coach with goalies that had a save percentage above nine, Mm -hmm. above 900. Every other team, which is more than half the league, because I think, I think Barubi is above the middle now on tenure Mm -hmm. in the NHL, um, has fired their goal, fired their head coach with goalies that had a combined save percentage below 900. And that says everything you need to say. You know, you've heard the old expression, show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goalie. It really isn't much more complex than that. On mm-hmm. top of that, uh, the um, 
Predators have woeful special teams. They had the ninth worst power play that had a 17.1% success rate, and they had the second worst penalty kill at 73.7%. Over one of every four penalties against them ended up being a goal. Uh, David Poyle gave his usual spiel, well, not his usual spiel because he's only done this twice, <laughs> but under the leadership of Peter and Kevin, our organization, Kevin was an assistant coach, our organization didn't have a last name. He was just, just Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> our organization reached an unprecedented heights uh, from our franchise-altering run to the Stanley Cup final to a President's Trophy in our first two Central Division titles. Uh, their passion for the game, ability to motivate a team, and drive to be the highest makes this a difficult decision. And drive to be the best makes this a difficult decision. On behalf of the entire organization, I would like to thank Peter and Kevin for all their contributions to the Nashville Predators over the past five and a half seasons. Man, he's been there a long time. Yeah. A lot longer it's, than I remember. It's funny how the uh, both of the coaches in the Winter Classic have changed now. Uh, not both of them. They haven't changed now, but uh, Bonus got the job shortly before the Winter Classic, and Laviolette lost his shortly after. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Hitchcock also got fired a month after Curse the Winter of the Classic. classic. Now, I gotta, now I'm kind of intrigued, and I want to go back and see oh, if no, this they, has... You know, supposedly Ooh. we are most certainly going to be the away team next uh, year. Uh-huh. We'll find out. Uh, well, maybe they'll just wait until then to fire Boudreaux. I mean, at this rate, they might as well... <laughs> Uh, on and off the ice, uh, this is CEO Sean Henry of the Predators. On and off the ice, the Laviolette and McCarthy families, Kevin oh, McCarthy. Okay, okay. There we go. Uh, have left an indelible mark. Indelible. On the entire <laughs> Smashville. Fuck it, we're done. The Predators are John <laughs> a.k.a. Lord Voldemort as Laviolette. They put Smashville in the press release? Yeah, they had Ian. The, yeah. Ian. Ian, help me. Help me. Read something. Say something. I'm not going to. something. <laughs> uh, I they tra- put Smashville in the... Oh, these... Oh, this team. Oh, this team. I hate them so much. You didn't get to the part I where try, they thank their wives. I try to not hate them. Did they talk about Smashville with their wives, too? <laughs> I'd like to support the Smashville initiative how, with their wives. How do you... How? How, Ian? How do you unironically, in a professional act, you're announcing their firing? That is what you are doing. You're announcing this men's, these men's firing. They no longer have a career, but you had to get Smashville out there, didn't you? You yeah. just had to say it. You got you to had promote to make the brand. Sure people know that you got a brand, baby, because you break up a car and you got that freak show in the Luchador mask, and goddamn it, you're the Smashville Predators. You know about him, right? The ultimate predator. Oh, check it out on Twitter, Ian. You gotta. If you've never seen a boomer with too much time on his hands if if the towel guy was a total loser Mm -hmm. and i can't emphasize this enough wore a luchador mask he'd be the ultimate predator and and also had a twitter account where he tried to beat up on trolls but ultimately made himself look foolish what's happening community (laughs) is garbage nashville you have grown too fast you have gotten too full of yourself and i have no time or space (laughs) for you i'm sure kirsten and Rhonda, laviolette mccarthy are great women but i'm not gonna read the same the rest of this awful 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 statement the sm- the entire smashville community like that's the thing i am willing to say right now on the spot that downtown we'll west is more of a thing Whoa! than smashville justin you hear that <laughs> because at least downtown west 
exists. Exists. Oh, <laughs> we've broken them. The Sma- psyche is broken. Smashville is so disturbing that I will break my vow of silence and I will admit the inadmissible because <laughs> Smashville, I can't. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Hard stop. All right. Do they call that, like, do the Tennessee Titans call it Smashville? I hope not. How could they? What, who else? Oh. The more I think about Smashville, the more it grosses me At out. At least Saxonville, which Jacksonville calls itself. Oh. At least they started that because their team got a lot of sex. Oh. And, it took me that yeah. whole time. <laughs> They're not very good, so I understand why. Like, at least that was a thing. Smashville, is it because they smashed the cars? Oh boy! That's because they you know smash what? each other. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm glad John Hines ended up there. They deserve each other. Lord Voldemort is Peter Laviolette's replacement because there are only 35 head coaches in the NHL. Uh, how pissed are you if you're a Predators fan? You're not pissed because you left two weeks ago when you realized they weren't going to win the Winter Classic. You uh, your yeah. fans don't exist. That guy under the match changes every week. They just pass it off like a gauntlet. It's like jury duty for these people. Oh, that's. <laughs> The traveling pants. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they mailed each other pants. 150, 159, and 45 John Hines was as the Devils head coach. One playoff appearance, a five-game loss to Tampa. Uh, yeah, yeah, goaltending killed him in New Jersey, so he ought to do great in Nashville where the goaltenders appear to be just fine. Uh, this, I don't, I I'm sorry, John Hines. He's maybe supposedly this is being, a super nice guy. Yeah, maybe this is mean to him, but this reeks of Mike Yo, like mm-hmm. of the Mike Yo shit, where it's like they just immediately got him and they had to have him. Like, no, I'm. He's probably great. Like you said, great guy, nice guy. Taylor Hall, I think, had a lot of great things to say about him when he got fired. But like at the same time, this was your guy. Mm-hmm. This is the guy you were just waiting for. Were you waiting for John Hines <laughs> to be fired? I guess. You right. I, I guess. Uh... I, if I was a Nashville Predators fan, if I was one of the two Nashville Predators fans remaining, one of the ones not wearing a mask, <laughs> I, I'd be annoyed. I'd be, I'd be annoyed. I'd be pissed off. How could you not off. be, right? I mean, how could you not be? This, oh, okay. Um, I would have been willing to eat the season for them to. Would you go, have been willing to smash the season? Smash <laughs> that season so that they could get to the summer, not be in the playoffs, re, you know, recoup some stuff, and then like. Have a real search. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll be able to recover the rest Does of this episode. Does Kevin McCarthy like he wasn't like the goaltending coach? No. He was just some other no, assistant. Some, I like yeah. to believe that they were firing Laviolette, and he's like, "Oh, okay, and I'll be the, I'll be the interim coach." I'm like, no, 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 you're fired as well. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, I do. It is always interesting how. Sometimes, like in New Jersey, when they fired Hines, the guy who Nasruddin, Nasruddin, who's their now assistant, mm-hmm. now interim coach, is uh, is the guy that they replaced him with. Good luck getting that back into a cube. It took me weeks. It took me weeks. <laughs> you will be bested. No, 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 no. Please enjoy it. It's a toy. It's meant to be played with. You guys will not get any clarification on what we're talking about. It's a toy, about. and it's meant to be played with. <laughs> 
but yeah, at least Nazruddin was Nazruddin was like part of John Hines's coaching staff and like asked for his blessing to take the interim role. Mm. Whereas with McCarthy, it's like you get right out of here, too. <laughs> Quinville's guy's a uh, kitchen, isn't he yeah. the one that follows him everywhere? He got kicked right out. It's like you're all out of here. Uh, uh, Ian, do you think the Predators are done? Where do the Predators go from here? I think they're a little like the Ducks two years ago where they're just actually bad mm-hmm. now and we can't admit it yet. Uh, I don't see where the up is for them. Do you? Mm, I don't... No, they have the pieces for there to be an up if they all start performing to like their ability. If Matt Duchesne is better than just okay. If, do they still have Kyle Turris? Is he still oh, yeah. there? If Kyle Turris is a player, uh-huh. um, if Ryan Johansson has just, I don't know, better seasons, all these people are just underperforming. Mm-hmm. It's really a really shitty situation down there where I don't really know if it was a Peter Laviolette message. Maybe, I guess. It's not like you can trade all these guys, so this is your best bet, but... I don't know. Yeah. And like again, goaltending is an issue. So it's like, what's he gonna do? And be like, be better. They're, and they're like, thank you. I will. They're paying twenty six million to four centers in Johansson, Johansson, Duchesne, uh, Turris, and Nick Bonino. Mm-hmm. Um, just over twenty six. I think twenty six point one. The Blues, by contrast, are paying. Just under 22 to O'Reilly, Bozak, Shin, Barvashev, and Thomas, who I threw in just for a laugh. Uh, and I realize he's on an entry-level deal, and that's you know only going to last so long. But the point is, these guys paid to have an elite center core, and they have a very middle-of-the-pack center core. Ryan Johansson is not... He's fine. He's fine. I always thought he was if supposed Ryan, to be really good, and he's If Ryan okay. Johansson made what Tyler Bozak makes, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he even makes what Braden Shin's going to make going forward, great. He can't make $8 million. He can't make $8 million. Matt Duchesne, $8 million. Maybe. Maybe that's good, but I think we've seen... I mean, he did pretty well with Columbus, mm-hmm. but I think the jury's out now that he's not going to be the guy that's going to, like carry your team anywhere Mm -hmm. and uh, kyle turris has been a disaster for them and nobody seems to know what's going on he's making six million a year for five more years and he's been played on the fourth line or scratch this season nick bonino's you know fine at 4.1 million for this year and next that's whatever if he was just your third center that'd be fine but i also don't see why they went out and got kyle turris when they already had those two guys i guess they had didn't have Duchesne yet mm-hmm. then, but it's just like, I don't see where they're going. We know the Yossi contract was a mistake. We knew it was a mistake when it happened. That's fine. That's the mistake you live with, I guess. None of their their other defensemen, Ekholm is uh, extended, but beyond that, their defensive core is uh, pretty eaten up. Ryan Ellis is hurt. Colton Sissons is hurt this year. Um and then the goalies have just been bad. Rene looks to be Dustin. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that just happens at the blink of an eye for a 37-year-old goalie. Goalies seem to just fall off a cliff faster than any other position. Uh, and Saros doesn't look like as good of an option as a replacement as he looked uh, a couple of years ago. And I just don't know, you know, Ellie Tolvanen 
never seems to have become what he was supposed to become. Mm. He's still young. Anything could happen. But, you know, the, the bloom seems to be off the rose with him. Is he playing on that team? No. He's oh, in okay. the AHL still, gotcha. I think. Uh, they had the 26th ranked farm system, according to Promman. Dante Fabro is supposed to be pretty good. But is he great? I don't know. I just think, I don't know where their path back to... The consensus of them is a very good team mm-hmm. that's underperformed so badly that they have to fire Peter Laviolette. And to me, it's just, they're a fine team, and I don't see their road back to being a great team. Especially mm. in this division, which is not going to be getting any easier over the next few years, you know? Yeah, somehow all these guys that I was afraid of that they had just kind of faded into being, like you yeah. said, adequate of, players. A lot of questionable trades over time. Got rid of PK Subban for nothing so that they could bring in Matt Duchesne, hmm. which is fine. I'd rather have Matt Duchesne than PK Subban, too. But, uh, you know, the Shea Weber for PK Subban trade even doesn't look good right now because hmm. Weber's been fine and they gave up PK for nothing. Give up Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. That's an obvious loss to me. And I realize they're so deep on defense, and, you know, that seemed fine at the time. But that seems like a pretty queer loss to me. Mm. It's just, I don't know, you know, I don't know that you should ever have a general manager that runs your team for 20 years or whatever David Poyle has done. And I know we're supposed to just all pretend that he's the best that's ever done it, mm. even though he's reached one Stanley Cup in that time and didn't look especially <laughs> good in it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just maybe it's me being bitter about the Predators, but I just don't seem – I'm not convinced that they're right in the upper echelon mm. of the league anymore. I'm ready for Smashville to go away. Oh, I can get smashed straight to hell. Uh, let's go through some quick hitters in the NHL. Ian, you can stop me for a comment on any of these if you would like to. Mm. And if not, I'll just I'll keep hold, going. I hold up my robot buddy. <laughs> Please do. Justin Williams is coming back to the surprise of no one. Resigned with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, there's uncertainty about whether he'll be the captain or when he'll return, but everybody knew that when he did that weird uh, retire, not retire, not retiring thing, we knew what was going to happen. I don't know why. You didn't hold up your robot. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> robot, robot buddy in action. No, he's falling apart. Um, uh, I don't know why it bothers me, especially because this isn't Mike Fisher and they're not the Predators in our division, but for some reason this stuff always bothers the hell out of me. It's like, dude, if you're not going to play, you should just have to be retired, which is not a rule that I would enforce, and I don't have any real reason for that to be the case, but for some reason it just bothers me that some dude's like, I want to rest for half of it. And then it's like, are you guys good? And I'm like, yeah, we're good. Okay, I'm coming back then. It does seem like outright cheating in a way, mm-hmm. doesn't it? I mean, I guess we did the same thing with Saboka, but at least Saboka had played a whole European season before coming up. Yeah, he was still playing hockey he somewhere. Like it was like He wasn't some dude just sitting on the couch. Yeah. And, I mean, granted, I know Justin Williams probably wasn't just sitting on the couch. No, he was. He did never leave it. He, he played Red Dead Redemption through straight <laughs> four times. I would love if he had a few other things <laughs> on his mind that he just kind of wanted to get done. He's like, dude, I'm going to like redo the flooring in my bathroom. And I don't think I have a time for this like i looked at our schedule just so road heavy to start so just fuck it i'm coming back later connor mcdavid undressed morgan riley in toronto it was delightful 
Stephen, should we talk about this goal for 20, 30 minutes? Oh, probably, because everyone in Toronto has. I mean, it was a really good goal. I'd shut up. <laughs> I'm a, I was not impressed at first. I mean, for some reason, I was like, yeah, that's crazy, but whatever. Then I became more impressed, mm-hmm. and then it peaked, and now I'm like back to oh, just kind of like, The fact that cool. 31 Thoughts named their friggin' episode after this goal. Oh, just uh, screw you, Toronto. <laughs> Rasmus Anderson signs a six-year extension with the Flames at $4.5 million. He okay. exists. Going back. The reason, I hate that, <laughs> the reason I hate that goal so much uh-huh. is that, like, Toronto... It was against Toronto. It was scored against oh, Toronto. if it had been scored against anyone else, we would not be talking. Yeah, but that's what I mean. They consumed it, and now it's like it's their goal. Yeah. They're oh, like, yeah. oh, did you see the goal they scored against did us? It see... was pretty sick. Yeah. It's really, it's like one of the best goals ever. That's... And it was here, and I'm like, oh my god, it was scored against you. It was embarrassing. That's... They're like, yeah, but we're we're the most embarrassed oh god, about I mean, it. That's so good. That's I such a good hate point. It. You're so insightful there, because it really have. It's like our hometown kid scored his hometown goal in his hometown arena where his hometown is and now this is evidence that he wants to come back and play here and it's just like shut up <laughs> that whole city oh <laughs> screw it uh Ilya Kovalchuk I don't know I, I don't know piss about Rasmus Anderson neither do I <laughs> but I guess he's I fine. recognize his name Ilya Kovalchuk is officially cut by the Kings and signs with the Montreal Canadiens three assists in his first two games Justin Hall signs a three-year extension with the Maple Leafs at $2 million per season. Ottawa Senators surrender Andrew Sturts in a fifth Myron pick to Montreal for Mike Riley, who I swear to God I didn't know existed. Uh, Buffalo Sabres trade Marco Scandella to Montreal for a fourth and then trade a fourth to the Calgary Flames for Mar- uh, Michael Frolik. I think actually those happened in the opposite order. Mm. Patrick Marlowe is preparing to play his 1700th NHL game. I what? Yeah, he he Ian. He's like breathing down Gordy has neck. Really, like legitimately. Really? He will if he plays next season. I think he breaks it. Really? Yeah. Well, then he's got to play. Right? I hope he does. I hope he does, dude. Do I it. I would. I mean, it's not just. Would I play for records alone? Yes, yes, I would. And oh. they're paying him. Yeah, oh. Gordy House at seventeen sixty seven. Really? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! So he's wait, Patrick Marlowe started playing in what, like ninety eight or something? Yeah, but he's been an Iron Man for the last like decade, mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, let me look it up because yeah, Marlowe's one of the three that have now played him four decades, I guess, or three decades. Um, with Thornton and I guess Chara probably. Uh, Marlowe's first season was 97-98. Dude's only, dude's only 40. He's a fairly young 40. So you gotta get one. You owe it. I mean, you just do it. Mm-hmm. I know it's not about personal records, but the most ever. The most ever. Mm-hmm. And he's got 15 points in 42 games. It's not like he's not contributing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd say do it. please. Especially do. for the Sharks. I mean... I used to hate that greasy bastard, and now I hate Joe Thornton so much that Patrick Marlowe to me is like the good long-time Shark. Uh, <laughs> You're the good half. You're the yin. <laughs> the Sharks lose a game uh, in which they went up 3-1 to one on Logan Couture's empty net goal with exactly one minute left. Jacob Vrana scored uh, twenty or 13 seconds later. TJ Oshie scored with 19.45 elapsed and then Lars Eller scored 201 in overtime I believe I believe this is the first time a mm. team has ever lost after scoring an empty net goal is that it I think 
what was it, it was, was in the final minute after scoring an yeah, goal, something, something like, like that. the final minute and is it just empty net period or was it like going up like two goals or something well how would you go up one goal on an empty well net? sorry but i mean like the empty netter was to make it like wasn't the empty netter to make it four two instead of three two yeah oh, sorry you wouldn't make it three two empty never don't worry about it um, <laughs> you see what i'm yeah, saying yeah yeah i'm following you i'm talking myself into it but yeah i think it was it was like with yeah scoring empty net in the last minute because yeah. i think they said it's been done otherwise but yeah that's that's insane yeah i mean that's you would have thought in all of the games the, ever the best played part was kevin kurz who's a little bit of an arrogant uh, athletic reporter for the sharks making his triumphant tweet about how the incredibly turned around sharks are like six five and three under <laughs> whoever their new head coach yeah, is bugner bugner and uh how that you know how the uh, Kotor empty netter sealed this one for the Sharks, which I think he later deleted the tweet. <laughs> which is just such a bitch move. Just leave it up. Yeah, just own when it. we did that one, when we left uh, the the Blackhawks game where mm-hmm. we came back, we left up all our tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, we're on the same level of prominence and would get harassed an equal amount to Kevin Kurz. So mm-hmm. just do it. Uh, <laughs> so and then finally, Pekka Rene scored a goal. Uh, the first oh, yeah. goalie goal since Mike Smith. He did it from inside the trapezoid. Very impressive. Pecorine, not a good goalie this year, but a great sniper. <laughs> so, man, so good. Uh, um, That's a highlight. Good for the Predators. Good for yeah, them. Good to, I'm glad they have a happy moment. Ian, before we go... Smash! Uh, let's talk for a minute about the uh, the Blues. Uh, <laughs> have we, we do. not? Uh, the Blues at the World Junior Championship, obviously. Uh, because who wouldn't want to talk about mm-hmm. that? The Blues sent just two players to the World Juniors this year. For those that don't know, the World Juniors is uh, every every year at the turn of the year from the day after Christmas to, I think it was like the 6th or 8th mm-hmm. this year. Uh, the uh, IIHF hosts 10 international junior teams of players from under 20 years old uh usually you know 17 to 20 at the youngest but occasionally a 16 year old slips through (laughs) but um you know it's it's the top basically the top tier of junior hockey you know internationally or at all um it's the most prestigious tournament and the blues only got to send two this year this is the a uh, place that uh, Thomas and Cairo once won gold as Canadians mm. uh, for the Blues or for Canada, but you know as I Blues, mean, for us. yeah. And uh, they only sent Alexandrov, Nikita Alexandrov, their second rounder from this past year, and goaltender Joel Hofer, who was a fourth rounder the year before that. I, I think, think so. Um, they only sent those two guys, and both of them had really incredible turnouts. Yeah, I really was like, cool. I'm glad we have people yeah. in the tournament, and I was like, I hope they do adequate you know i hope they don't embarrass themselves and that was about it and i was i was uh happily surprised that they did much better than that hofer is the one we'll really talk about but alexandrov was more than fine he scored uh eight points two goals six assists tied for second amongst russian scorers on a team that had some you know, much higher rated prospects than him. Uh, he won player of the game honors for the team in the gold medal game and scored the first goal in that game. He laid an impressive hit on Bobby Brink at one point that brought uh, his bench to its feet. Uh, this is, you know, a player I've seen at Traverse City this past year, but obviously I'm not an expert scout, but he's a more impressive playmaker than I thought then, and he has a real engine about him in terms of just physicality, always being in the play, aggressive, forecheck, that sort of thing. 
he was everywhere. He was always alert. He was outperforming teammates with higher draft profiles. And I don't want to be too, too, uh, you know, to put too fine a point on it, but he mm-hmm. strikes me as kind of a, a carbon copy of Ivan Barbashev, who's another Russian that we drafted out of the QMJHL in the second round, uh, in that he's probably never going to develop elite, you know, top six offensive abilities mm-hmm. and be a contributor on that part of the game. Um, I'm just not sure there's enough offense there. He only has 23 points in 19 QMJHL games this year, and we all know what that Wow. Means. Far, far outpaced by Justin Horniker's cat, <laughs> Demetra. And uh, he, um, at the same time, though, he's got... Uh, responsibility at both ends of the ice. He does have some offensive upside, and I think he'll be a big benefit on special teams. And so I, I do see him as a lot like Barbashev in that sort of swing role where he can play a lot, a lot of positions at a lot of you know places in the lineup and do what the team needs of him. And you need you know guys like that just as much as you need the Ryan O'Reillys mm-hmm. and the Jaden Schwartz. So excited for him, but the real uh, breakout player here was Joel Hofer, the goaltender. Hofer is how it's pronounced, although Hoffer. that's awful. Um, he was the breakout player of the of the entire tournament, bar none. I mean, I think there's not even anyone who compares to him in terms of players that had really no hype coming in because mm-hmm. the other best players in the tournament, you know, were Rasmus Sandin and Alexi Lafreniere, top tier guys. Uh, he went from being not invited to Canada's summer camp where they have five goalies this summer uh, to being invited to the tournament as an expected backup to Nico Dawes and then to winning the World Junior Championship uh, Goalie of the Tournament Award. So quite a transformation for him in the last few months. Uh, he had came out. He came out first in a cleanup role against Russia in a six nothing loss, and dominated from there on out. He had five wins, no losses. Uh, had a one thirty goals against average and a nine forty six save percentage. Uh, he had one shutout. He was thirty five of thirty eight saves in the gold medal game. Canada does not win gold here if Joel Hofer doesn't dominate uh but you know you don't want to overreact to two weeks obviously Mm. which is why it's important to note that with the portland winterhawks of the whl this year he's had a 24 and 2 record that's 20-4-2 just to be totally (laughs) clear uh so six losses instead of just four or instead of just two rather uh but he's he's really been strong since being traded to portland from the miserable swift current broncos uh, where we drafted him uh, that was that trade happened last season he leads the whl with a 181 goals against average and has a very impressive 937 save percentage as well he's made Corey pronman the athletic senior uh, prospect writer a believer he said scouts have praised hofer a lot to me recently but i wasn't fully on board until the past month hofer from his whl season to his u20 camp and into this tournament has been excellent he showed athleticism and made the tough saves but never seemed like he needed to whenever chaos would happen around the canadian net he seemed to be tracking pucks perfectly and stopped the dangerous chance without scrambling much he was clearly the best goalie in the tournament craig button of tsm went ham going either farther than that uh there's obviously some recency (laughs) bias at play here but hofer now in his uh 
top 50 NHL affiliated prospects uh, that he does after the WJC every year. He ranked Hofer 29th overall uh which puts him that makes him the best canadian goalie on the list and puts him uh sixth amongst all goalies trailing three russians including shesterkin who like just debuted for the russians who was number one on his list i was impressed by spencer knights also ahead of him and justice ananen who was the Swedish goalie for the Avalanche, who was very good in the tournament as well. Uh, But he's the top Canadian. All of those goalies ahead of him are really remarkable. And it appears that the Blues have now uh, have a grade-A goaltending prospect uh, who is only 19 and is obviously a long way out. But that's fine because Jordan Bennington's 26. Get plenty of good years from him. And then, (laughs) you know, Hofer can come in and kick his old bones out of the way. <laughs> Do you think they use Bennington now? You could use him as like this nice little, like, why am I not getting playing time? Why am I not in the big club? Like, hey, buddy, you could be called up when you're 25, <laughs> and you could win the cup out of nowhere. So uh, you could be the next Jordan Bennington, so hold on there, it could Skipper. could be. Uh, our last goaltender to win this uh, award for goalie of the tournament was Merrick Schwarz, which doesn't bear, you know, incredibly well for, uh, uh, for Hofer. But, yeah, I mean, I you don't want to get overexcited mm-hmm. uh but it's obviously more than just the tournament he's had an incredible whl season as well and um you know where we put him we put him as a uh four as well along with mikola and i think both of mm. those guys with what they've shown in the last couple of weeks uh would at least move up to a three arguably um yeah i mean he's gonna be those these two guys are when costing graduates permanently, that's like the head of your next wave for mm-hmm. now, you know, because we don't have any first round picks. We traded Bach, 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 who also <laughs> had a very good WJC for Germany. And um, yeah, I think this is just um, this is just great news. You always want good things for your prospects. We're mm-hmm. obviously pretty hyped on prospects in general. Did you get to see a lot of the WJC, any of it? I caught replays of the, what was it, the two semifinal games mm-hmm. and the finals mm-hmm. game, but I didn't, I didn't watch much else, actually. Yeah, I was really tuned into the one where we had, uh, was it, was Costin even in the one that Kairu, mm-hmm. Costin, and Thomas were yeah. in one? That one I was super duper into. I wish I would have watched more of this one having if I had known that they were going to do so well. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just figured I'm like, ah, they'll both be end back up in there. the gold medal game. Yeah, that's why know, I had to so. tune in and watch that at least a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just, you know, it's it's great news when guys perform. Doug Armstrong probably doesn't get enough credit for how well he drafts. Mm-hmm. He hasn't drafted necessarily the game changer, but he's never, you know, we've talked before, what's his highest pick ever? Was it Schwartz at 14? Yeah, I think so. And he's built. Wow, yeah, you're right. Or was, yeah, because Petrangelo is before that, right? He's built a... Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley Cup champion, you know, and he does, you know, I don't, I don't have statistics for this, but I have to imagine he's got a better success rate in, you know, rounds two through five than most, mm-hmm. you know, and we seem to consistently every year when we have a guy get pulled up from the minors, be like, where'd this guy get drafted? And he's fourth, yeah. fifth round, third round, yeah, and like it's that. guys like you know Mackenzie McEachern who. It was a six rounder, I think, and yeah, I took forever to get here, but that dude's a stud mm-hmm. in his role. It's a, 
it's a limited role, sure, but it's a role that every NHL team needs, and he's, you know, I I don't know of anyone else who I would rather have doing it for us right now. You mm-hmm. know, it's guys like Barbashev who is a second round pick, and you know has not become an offensive powerhouse but he's an indispensable part of this team even guys like Sunquist, who we didn't draft but we scouted and wanted to draft and then went out and got you know it's just like this this whole team is is so yeah obviously you've got shannon and schwartz and or shannon uh um o'reilly yeah. and bowmeister guys like that who are big parts of the team that weren't drafted here but when you really look up and down the lineup it is a very homegrown team, mm-hmm. uh, and I just think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So the future is bright, the present is bright, uh, the the outsides are bright because we're recording in the mm-hmm. afternoon. Uh, do you have anything else to say before we get out of here, um, Stephen? What's your take on if uh, flowers exist at night? <laughs> do you think they do? <laughs> Uh, yes, I like to believe in beauty, and uh, so they must <laughs> exist. We, but we also established, Stephen, that normally when you wake up, all the time, it is never dark. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. I don't wake up at night, so yeah. Uh, go watch uh, the Sack Lunch Bunch. Should we, should we leave them with a song? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't decided. Which. We'll, we'll pick. Should we play Flowers Exist at Night now? We that or we'll just throw people off the scent. So um, until <laughs> we record next Friday. Yeah. Like my confidence is always on our recording it took me schedule. me a second. Uh, you can check out the uh, STL podcast, Soccer Talk Lads, which will drop a new episode uh, Tuesday if you just can't wait to hear our voices <laughs> again. And how, how who could blame you? But uh, until we reconvene at a later date, uh, adios. See you later. Yes, that's me. What's it like with only one eye to see? With only one eye, I can never look twice. But when you buy a pair of shades, they're always half price. <laughs>